So, Jamie, what I thought was we've been thinking about expanding, you know, the giant brain and the brainwaves uh, oeuvre, so to speak. And I thought maybe we should pitch some TV shows to some executives. Uh, okay, I was wondering why you were building a, a TV studio in the uh, in the back garden, which is trampling all over my azaleas. Thanks very much for letting me know beforehand. But before you do that, Ian, why don't you kind of Dragon's Den, Shark Tank for me? So you pitch the game ideas to me, and I'll tell you if we have any good ones. Cool, cool. So what I was thinking was a Root TV show featuring a, a Vagabond character or maybe a cast of Vagabond characters going about and, you know, causing mischief amongst the, the Woodland people. What do you think? Uh, I've already seen the Redwall TV series. Sorry, mate. It's already been done. I'm out. Oh, uh, that's unfortunate. How about, you know, uh, a Lords of Vegas TV show? You know, like the casinos back before casinos were casinos, the building of Las Vegas, you know, that, that, that kind of era of, of, you know, Nevada nonsense interesting i believe that was also in godfather part three uh okay okay call call me call me call me call me call me uh call me marginally interested though you know my opinions on lords of vegas might have to change the name okay marginally interested how about a ruthless tv show they know you know pirates you know that whole that that whole thing you know three men overboard pirates are in the pirates are they're so hot they were hot wee while ago black sails did very good assassin's creed 4 black flag not bad right one more (laughs) one Solid gold nugget. Give me it. Solid gold nugget. Well, how about a Flam Rouge TV series? You know, cycling the 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 impact of the peloton. You know, the 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 drama of racing across France. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. I like this idea. I like this a lot. I'm definitely not just looking at games that I can see out of the corner of my eye and pitching you TV shows. No, That'd be not crazy at talk. all, Ian. Right. Well, I like that one. I'm in. Let's let's start thinking about this. Drawing up some script. The Russo brothers aren't doing anything right now. Let's speak to them. Um, I can speak. Yeah, yeah, it'll, absolutely. It'll be great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so while you sort that, I will say my name is Jamie Adams, and I'm Ian McAllister. And this is Brainwaves, episode eighty-one, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the sixth of September, twenty twenty-one. IDW Publishing shutters its tabletop efforts. Kickstarter board games buck pandemic. And Blades in the Dark comes to a small screen near you. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Idea and Design Works, or IDW, a publisher of comic books who also dabbles in TV series, once had a bustling board games arm as well. They produced a series of Kickstarter hits, including games based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman, and Ghostbuster properties. Well, now those days are at an end, as IDW has shuttered that part of its business. Launched in late 2013, the label enjoyed quite a bit of success, including a collaboration with Pandasaurus Games to co-publish Machi Koro in the West. Pandasaurus Games has since taken full control of that title. We reported previously on IDW properties being cancelled, such as the Metal Gear Solid board game, and it now seems this is symptomatic of a wider problem at the company. IDW did release a statement to Dicebreaker as to the fate of the currently in-production products. IDW is committed to completing the following top-notch projects. Ghostbusters Cross Men in Black, Ecto-Terrestrial Invasion, and Batman the Animated Series Adventures, including Shadow of the Bat, Arkham Asylum, and all the many packs that make up the all-in bundle outlined in the Kickstarter. And we'll provide the same level excellent customer service that our backers have come to expect. The representative said, However, due to the rising trade costs, IDW Games is not currently developing further games or expansions beyond those mentioned above. 
We'll continue updating our social feeds and individual backer pages with the latest information on our upcoming releases. We'd like to thank our fans for support through the years, for building an active community with countless hours of gameplay and fun, and we're excited to bring you some of the best work we've done over the next few months. It's sad always to see a publisher close, and it seems that IDW Publishing have basically shuttered an arm of their business that isn't as profitable as they would like it to be. But what does that mean for other companies? If big properties like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like Ghostbusters, can't bring in the money for a company the size of IDW for board games, what does that mean to smaller publishers as trade costs rise? We've talked about this on previous casts. It's not a good sign for the industry. What do you think, Jamie? I mean... I can't really add anything that's not been said here. It's a company that has had several high-profile intellectual properties and produced some games out of them. Um, I can't speak for the quality of of really any of the games of IDW because I don't think I've played as many of them, with the exception of Machi Koro, which is a very good game. I I really enjoy it. Uh, It is. But it's it's a shame. And, you know, if it's not making the money, cut it loose and focus on what is. This may be... I was going to say this would be the first of, of many, but we've already talked about companies closing, so we'll see what's the next one to fall, I suppose. Indeed, and it's always a good reminder that these companies, they are a business. They need to make money. They're not just in it for the love of making board games. They need to turn a profit, and if they're not doing that, especially if it's an arm of a bigger company, then it's unsurprising to see it shower sad and we hope that everyone involved uh, find, finds new jobs and lands on their feet but yeah uh, a symptom of what's going on in the wider hobby right now anyway Jamie talking about big Kickstarter projects Kickstarter's had an actually not too bad yep, year. Yep now it's time to put on my financial pants and won't you join me as we go to the website Medium and user Thomas Bideau who has put together a very informative and interesting article about well the financial reports for kickstarter over the past year so despite one thing or another kickstarter has continued to have well great success with tabletop games 75 percent of projects launched in the first half of 2021 met their funding goal and 146 million dollars was raised versus 120 million in the first half of last year now in that time period 52 projects raised more than half a million and 28 raised more than a million Thomas notes three trends among those big-budget titles. One, board games based on computer games, such as Monster Hunter and The Witcher. Two, tabletop role-playing games, such as The One Ring. Prior to 2021, the number of RPGs raising more than a million dollars was four. And that number has now doubled. Now, these stats do not include the Avatar role-playing game that's just raised more than eight million dollars. And that's a lot of cheddar. And three, sequels, expansions, and reprints, such as Everdell, Root, and Mythic Battles. Now, all other tiers of projects saw fewer projects funded and raised less money. Not by much. Now, we're talking about Kickstarter. We have to talk about, maybe it's, you know, it's recent competitors, which include GameFound, which was a fulfillment service which launched its own crowdfunding arm um, and has seen several high-profile campaigns already. But at the moment... Anyway, Thomas couldn't provide data on how that platform is comparing. I mean, this is pretty great news for Kickstarter, pretty great news for the tabletop game industry on the crowdfunding arm. From Thomas's you know, suggestions, those three big kind of sellers, do you think these big projects are kind of slowing 
or hiding the slow growth of uh, smaller companies on Kickstarter? What do you think, Ian? I, yeah, I don't know. It's possible. I mean, that the the data that Thomas provides is not entirely clear on this. He does make that conclusion that there is a little bit of a slowdown in the lower tier projects, so below sort of like half a million to a million dollars. Basically, everything else below that is funding a little less, raising a little less money, and there's not as many projects. So there maybe is a little bit of a slowdown there as people weigh up their options, as they look to other platforms, or maybe just don't go ahead and produce games right now because let's face it the way global shipping is right now the way the board game industry is right now it is hard it is even harder to get noticed and to produce your game for a decent price without running into all sorts of problems we've talked about this on the cast before where we really feel for people who are mid kickstarter and getting hit by these shipping problems uh, so yeah there might be a bunch of companies just waiting to until everything settles down a little bit to launch their products which I can completely understand, which might be leading to that small slowdown. It certainly seems that Kickstarter is still going great guns despite its competitors like GameFound, but that might change over the next year or so. Who knows? There are bound to be other competitors that come to Let's the Let's move away from that for a little bit. And Ian, um, I know tomorrow night is our Blades in the Dark game, and I really do want to speak to you about that, but I realise that the podcast is probably not the best place because obviously I don't want to reveal things. Other people might be listening. So uh, I'll let you speak about Blades in the Dark for... A couple of minutes. Well, I've been recording our sessions for a limited edition podcast. No, I Thank you. I, I, I panicked for a second. I really did. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that I love Blades in the Dark by John Harper, uh, published by Evil Hat Productions. And it's a fantastic role-playing game that you should all play. But that is not what we want to talk about well, right well, it now. Is, I mean, I could you, do a whole podcast. You are talking to, about it. I, I mean, I do. I am talking about it. I could do a podcast and podcast about my love for that game. But what we want to talk about right now is the fact that Blatant's Art may be coming to a small screen near you fairly soon. Warp Films, a UK-based production company with credits including Everybody's Talking About Jamie, no, not that one, and This Is England, has partnered with Anton, an Anglo-French creative financing group, to produce several new projects, including a TV series of Blades in the Dark. We know very little else about it right now, uh, but barring the turbulent life that is the entertainment industry, we're hoping we'll see a version of Duskfall on our TV screens in the near future. I mean, I love Blades. I'd love to see more fiction inspired by it. I have a slight concern because one of the one of the things I love about Blades in the Dark is that there is just enough for the GM and players in a Blades in the Dark game to hold on to. But there's a lot of um, space to fill with your own imagination and your own interpretation of what is going on. And I don't know what a Blades in the Dark TV series will look like. Will it like ruin my own version of Dostkull that I've got in my head? You know, that kind of expectation that you have. So one thing I think it will be very different. I think it might ruin some things because obviously... Everyone has their own image of Dostfall of Blades in the Dark, so it's yeah. always going to be, oh, that isn't how I imagined it. And you might change and go, oh, I like that. And you might go, ooh, no, no thanks. Um, other thought is there's yeah. such a thriving, you know, the, the gang kind of charts in at the faction charts. One of the big ones everyone always talks about at the very beginning is the Lamp Blacks versus the Red Sashes. Now it c- yeah, because that's, that's, that, that's, that's the starting situation if you're starting out in Blades for the first time. If you're running your first game, that's the that's the, in the individual starting now, situation. Now, it could go along the lines of maybe the Lamp Blacks are the protagonists. 
could be maybe or mm-hmm. it could be an original gang like basically like a like a sesh like a series on blaze in the dark it could be original characters do not steal that will fight their way into you know the the echelons of of Duskfall society i mean like grand theft auto like peaky blinders like yeah, that's why I want to see. I'd want to see a new gang in that weird situation of like basically having they're having a small foothold, a small small foot in the door of a bigger gang conflict and running into things that they don't understand that are above their pay grade and all that kind of juicy goodness that is in place. And so far. much stress. I want. I want to see. I want to see people indulging their vices. I want to see them just going. Oh, I want to see them just, just oh, yeah. spacing out on their vices. All that darkness and like the flashback mechanics. I'd, I'd like to see some of that stuff on screen. So ba- we'll see how it goes. But you want to yeah. see things like the main inspirations. You want to see the lies of Locke Lamora, cross with the wire, cross with Bloodborne, cross with Ocean's Eleven. That that's what you want to see. Ian. I oh mean, yeah, I completely agree. That sounds great. Oh yeah. But anyway, let's stop talking about blades because otherwise I'll keep talking about blades and get on with the news. And it's me once more. Okay, so as usual, we'll bring you our updates on previous articles at the top of the news. And last time on the cast, we were speaking about news of sexual assault allegations against Greg Spence, the CEO of Broken Token, a manufacturer of uh, MDF inserts for board games in the States. At the time, several companies had severed ties with Broken Token, and now Pandasaurus Games has also joined them, and they released a statement on Twitter that we'd now like to read. Late last week, as the news broke, we promised we would share more information when we had it. After a review of our contractual options, we have terminated our licensing agreements with the Broken Token. We are looking into new partners for Dinosaur World Storage Systems, which was a recent Kickstarter that Pandasaurus Games had, but obviously we will not be ready at the launch of the game. Since we have information on potential new partners, we will let you know. We want to thank all of our fans who have been understanding of the situation as the timing of the release of Dinosaur World will not make it possible to have inserts produced at release and we know this will be disappointing news. Obviously, these issues pale in comparison to the serious allegations from last week and standing for our company's core values will always be our focus. That's from a Twitter thread uh, on Panasaurus Games' main site that we will link to in the show notes. Now, Broken Token has also released a further statement on the matter, which we would like to read to you now. I want you to be the first to hear from me directly about the latest developments stemming from Ashley Taylor's Medium.com article that she posted on August 18th. First, I want to apologize to Ms. Taylor for the pain and suffering I caused her. As I alluded to in my earlier remarks two weeks ago, I did engage in an improper but consensual consensual relationship with Ms. Taylor. While I did not make physical or job-related threats to her, my actions were not in keeping with suitable employer-employee conduct. I broke off the brief engagement with Ms. Taylor in 2014 after waking up to the fact that the relationship was not one that I should continue in my role as the founder of a small business. Despite ending our personal relationship, I hoped that she would still feel comfortable working at the company and Ms. Taylor did so of her own accord for more than two years before leaving in 2016. I know that my mistakes to my past actions with Ms. Taylor and one other employee may require everyone involved to relive these these uncomfortable episodes. It also compelled many of our publishing partners to discontinue their licensing agreements with the Broken Token. To all, I take full responsibility, offer my profound apologies, and promise to continue to learn from them. 
I fully understand that I created this crisis for myself and those about whom I care. In light of these events, we made some necessary changes at the Broken Token. As of this week, we are reducing our staff count from 23 to 10. It pains me to do so as I value each of them for their invaluable contributions to the company over the past several years. As we say goodbye to some in the Broken Token family, we will continue providing health benefits to them throughout September 30th, as well as access to services through our Employee Assistance Program and San Diego-based workforce support nonprofit organizations. Additionally, I will step down as CEO and turn over the day-to-day operations to Kelsey Royer, effective September 3rd, 2021. Her years of industry expertise, along with a proven track record of leadership, dedication to quality, and commitment to customer satisfaction make her the ideal person to run the company. What's more, Kelsey will introduce some new initiatives in the coming months that will grow the Broken Token to new heights. I look forward to supporting her in this new role as she sees fit. I know under Kelsey's leadership, the company will continue providing unique, creative, and high-quality ways to improve our game nights with family and friends. In the meantime, I am rededicating myself to ensuring that I treat everyone in my personal and professional life with the dignity and respect they deserve while also pursuing other opportunities. I am grateful for the kind words of support that the Broken Token received over the past two weeks. I also want to tell those that voice their strong objections towards me or social media that I am listening. I am excited for what's ahead for the Broken Token and I remain a big fan of its dedicated team and service-minded approach. I wish everyone involved nothing but the best and pledge to do what I can to support them. Signed, Greg Spence. Thanks for bringing with us while we read through that, folks. First of all, I'd like to say that firing staff in the same breath as apologizing kind of sounds like you're putting the blame for them getting fired on the victim of these sexual assault allegations. He's stepping down at least, which is something, but he's still presumably got shares in the company, still got some controlling interest. It seems like a completely weird statement. If you're going to apologize, apologize. Two weeks ago, you were saying none of this stuff mattered or existed, and now you're admitting to it. Make this your apology. And if you're going to have structural changes to your company, make that separate statement. I just don't get it. It's like no one has read it again and then approved it. It's completely all over the place. I'd like to add a little something here. So we uh, we talk about hard stuff in the industry a lot, and we talk about Uh, allegations of abuse and all sorts of things in the hobby that we think are actually important things to talk about in the hobby and and we want to point at them and say look this is not right and the industry needs to change its attitude to whatever it is we're talking about at the time there aren't very many other outlets that are talking about this stuff and especially on the american side of criticism there's been very little chatter about this or any of the allegations that we've talked about over the last year involving cards against humanity and various other companies where allegations have come out because the industry has basically been taking a year to look inward and look at itself and talk about allegations. There's a bit of outrage here and there on Twitter, but the big outlets that talk about news and talk about the industry, they're not covering this. And I'd really like to ask why, because it's pretty important. And if you don't talk about these things, then nothing's going to change. Now, down at Brisbane Road, home ground of Leighton Orient Football Club, oh, there's magic in the air. 
That's right, Magic the Gathering, the card game juggernaut of Wizards of the Coast, and not Fantasy Flight Games as I typed in this script here, uh, has been announced as the official gaming sponsor and back-of-training wear sponsor of Leighton Orient, meaning that on the training kit, the O's wear, will have Magic logos on the back for the forthcoming season of 2021-2022. Leighton Orient's head of commercial, Josh Stevens, said... With strategy, logic, and dedication being integral parts in both Magic and Leighton Orient gameplay, the partnership really is the perfect fit. The official Magic the Gathering Twitter page and Leighton Orient website has a nice picture of Planeswalker Ajani Goldmane in a rather fetching Leighton Orient training strip at Brisbane Road. This is brilliant. Uh, I, I, I love it. That, that statement from Josh Stevens is fantastic. <laughs> It's obviously just a financial deal, but I love the justification. is It's fantastic, yeah, and I want to see more of this. Asmodee, get on it. Yeah, I want to see Catan sponsoring Scottish rugby. Nah, they've got, they've got, they've got the, uh, they've got things sewn up. I like sponsoring more smaller teams. Get even if you can work up to the the Premier League or the Scottish Premier League. Let's get this done. Asmodee on the strips of like I don't know Hart or something like that. That'd be great. Tabletop's, Tabletop Scotland sponsors Ross County. <laughs> Pitch that to the boys next time. Anyway, Jamie, a bit of news out of Gen Con that's on yes. the horizon. Now, I know last time we talked about Plaid Hat Games announcing they weren't uh, going to be attending Gen Con this year. And I've got another company to add to that, which is Artalsorian Games, RPG publishers of the Cyberpunk series, uh, 2020, Cyberpunk Red, etc. And The Witcher RPG. In a statement on their website, Artel Sorian said, The health and safety of our crew comes first, and the numbers in Indiana are abysmal. The vaccination rates are too low, the positivity rates and new case rates too high, and the social mandates designed to protect people too few. If even one member of our crew caught COVID-19 while attending Gen Con or carried it home to their loved ones and their local community, that would be one too many. At Artel Sorian Games, we write about dark futures for fun but we also believe we have a responsibility to try and prevent them from happening. They also make a point that they don't blame uh, the staff of Gen Con or the staff at the Indiana Convention Center uh, for any of this. They also say that, so they make a very good point actually, that conventions don't just happen in convention halls. They happen outside. Now we've talked about you know the issues of maybe trying to change the focus on bars, but Bars, restaurants, open play areas, and that's just the ones I can think of off the top of my head, and they're mentioned in their statement. Just just sitting around ho- hotel lobbies yeah. and things like that is my experience of Gen Con, like sitting around hotel no, lobbies exactly, and exactly. people. The, that's what they're saying, and what I'm reiterating is conventions don't just happen in convention halls. Yeah. So that infection uh, and transmission rates are much higher than maybe one might expect. Now... I will say Gen Con has restated that masks are mandatory for all attendees and that you will be removed from the convention if you fail to do so. Now, from what we've seen now that the dust has settled from UK Games Expo, it, it seemed to go off mostly okay, you know, a, a couple of pings here and there. Um, but, you know, it will the same be true for Gen Con? I mean, the infection rates seem very, very high. I mean... And vaccination rates are much, much lower in Indiana. It's, yeah, it seems more and more like it's not a great idea. And I mean, Essen's still planning to go ahead as well, but I 
the vaccination rates in Germany are much better and the, the infection rate is lower, so maybe it'll be fine. But yeah, Gen Con's looking more and more like not a great well, idea. Well, there's still Gen Con Online. Or is it Gen Con Line? I can't remember how they're uh, yeah. calling it, but uh, might have that. And talking about online things, Jamie, there's a little rumour going around, and this is massively, massively hold just Hold on, hold on, hold on, Ian. Do you, hear, uh, do you hear that? It's a spooling up of the long-lost Brainwaves rumour mill. I, 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 think, I seem to remember we once had, like... Have I, we still got I, that? I, I thought you commissioned uh, it. Well, you see, you think you commissioned it, but uh, it's like it's like Warhammer 40,000. There's a machine spirit in there, and every time it hears rumours, it just, like, kicks back into life. I'll have to really get rid of it. I'll have to exercise it or something. Anyway, Wizards of the Coast have filed an intent-to-use trademark for Netrunner for digital games. Now, Netrunner is the two-player card game of plucky runners trying to hack into massive cyber corporations and steal their secrets, and it's absolutely fantastic. It was originally designed by Richard Garfield, creator of Magic the Gathering, and it had a, a big following back in the 90s and then was revived by Fancy Flight Games in the 2010s to eventually be shuttered in the last few years. And there is still a uh, a community out there. We've had people from Nisei, which are Project Nisei, which are the people who are still making fan expansions and running tournaments and really trying to keep that game alive. There are digital implementations of Netrunner Online already in the form of Gentechi.net. When Fancy Flight Games gave up Netrunner when they stopped making it, the license for Netrunner did pass back to its original owners, which was Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast had had great success with Magic the Gathering Arena, so I could understand if they are now eyeing other properties to move into a digital implementation and make some money off. Yeah, fill the rumor at the moment, so yeah, take it with a pinch of salt, but maybe we'll see something in the yeah, next I'm going to say this again. This is speculation, okay? Super duper speculation. Oh, yeah. oh dear. You know, it's not speculative. All our fantastic patrons. They're great. All of them. Especially Sean Newman from the Game A Lot team, who's our executive producer. Thank you very much for continuing to support us during these difficult times. And you can join all those folks by joining our Patreon for just $1 a month to get an extended version of the cast um, alongside a bunch of extra little bits and pieces on our site. And there are a very variety of ways to support us, including uh, you can get yourself some merch from Sir Meeple, some lovely t-shirts. Uh, Metallic Dice Games also have given us a promo code to share with you all. That They make very nice metal dice sets uh, alongside other dice accoutrements. And that's metallicdicegames.com. And if you go and buy from them and use the promo code RollWithBrains, all capital letters, all one word, you will get a bit of a discount and we'll get a bit of a cut as well. So do check them out. Well, Jamie, it's about time for a Yes, bit, now, way back in episode 64, we talked about Danish brewery Tool Beer and their plans for beer themed after board game juggernaut Catan and Catan Studios putting the kibosh on that because they did it without permission. Well, now, Champion Brewing in Virginia has announced that they are going to be producing a limited run of Catan themed beers for members of their Champion Beverage Club subscription. And so far, Catan Studios hasn't had anything to say about it. So this may be legit. Unfortunately, it's only available through this uh, Beverage Club subscription. Uh, the Champion Cross Catan Collection will each represent a different part of the game. So you have, so far, anyways, um, slated to appear. 
a wheat beer for the field biome, a rye beer for the pasture biome, an IPA for the forest biome, an amber ale for the bricks and hill biome, and more to come. We can finally say, if you're listening, Ian Chandler, I know you talked about this a while ago, especially on this podcast, there is a Catan wheat beer. They did it, folks. We can go over. Board games are done. They finally did it. Great. Well, thank you very much for listening to the last of Brainwaves podcast. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're mostly active on Twitter these days. The website is thegiantbrain.co.uk. You can email us about anything in the show at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And please do come and join us on our Discord, where we talk about all sorts of bits and pieces of the news, uh, share news stories, talk about games, and also uh, have a games night every Tuesday after the cast goes out. This isn't the last Brainwaves podcast. There'll be another one, and many more. Because, you know, we can't stop. Anyway. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.